and welcome to Operation Adopted, where we explore the individualized nature of adoption. To do this, we have conversations with individuals who have been adopted, also known as adoptees. Whether good or bad, every adoptee has their own story to tell. Here on Operation Adopted, our goal is to provide a platform for those voices to be heard. Hi, and welcome back to Operation Adopted. I'm Elizabeth, and today I have a special guest on, and I'll have him introduce himself. Hi there, I'm Colin Hart. Uh, and I am 36, and I'm adopted. <laughs> well, welcome, and happy to have you on the show today. Pleasure to be here. So I'm going to have you start with your story and adoption process and overview of it. My birth parents became pregnant when my birth mother was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it was not on purpose. <laughs> uh, and so she went to uh, a special home for uh, girls in that situation. And she battled with whether to keep me or to give me up for adoption. Mm. She decided that she wasn't able to provide the kind of life that she wanted for me. So she decided to give me up for adoption. Mm. Um, And then my parents came in to the story. My parents had been trying to get pregnant for years. Mm. And my mom was having all sorts of uh, health issues um, surrounding reproductive health. And... Mm. After years and years and years of uh, uh, IVF and I think it's called IVF um, and different uh, techniques, uh, they decided to adopt. Mm -hmm. So uh, they met me through that. And uh, when I was, I believe the story is that I was born and immediately given to a foster family. Oh, okay. And then lived with them uh, until my... Uh, my adopted parents uh, came along, which okay. was four months ish. So uh, you mentioned your mom in the beginning of your your birth mom mm-hmm. in the beginning. So you do you know anything about your biological parents at all? Um, she was allowed to give me uh, a gift and write a letter. She gave me um, a book called Why Was I Adopted, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, a little kid's book that kind of describes the process. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't read it in like probably 15 years. I probably <laughs> looked through it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but she inscribed the front cover uh, jacket with uh, uh, a nice letter, mm-hmm. which is cool because it's in her handwriting and yeah. she was allowed to give me a, a headshot for like a school picture or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know minimal... Uh, medical stuff from the adoption papers, you know, a brief medical background of both of my parents um, and, um, you know, the basics that you would need to know. Yeah. Your process for adoption for your parents was was quite long. It was quite lengthy, correct? Like a couple years of them. Um, They were wanting to adopt and they had a specific agency they wanted to go through. It was a Mm -hmm. Christian agency called Bethany. Oh, okay. Um, And there's, there's several around this area. So they were waiting and waiting and waiting mm-hmm. uh, and eventually uh, got the call, but it took uh, a, a while. I don't mm-hmm. remember the exact length of time. but Yeah, probably a couple Long enough couple that they years. were getting discouraged. That So probably a couple of years, I would assume, I would at get, that point. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's normally a very lengthy process. And yours was actually an in-country like yeah, I mean, United I was, States adoption. I was born probably an hour and a half from where we're sitting now. So okay, but you didn't live. So we, where did your parents live? Oh, at the time, uh, my parents lived uh, also in it's either Pennsylvania or they. I think they lived in Pennsylvania when they started the process, and yeah, New Jersey when they adopted me. Okay, 
Or I'm, or I might, they might have gotten me in Pennsylvania and immediately moved to and New then Jersey. moved away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but it was only to Cherry Hill. Yeah, that's why. So okay, and your parents, since they did have your mom, had some trouble with having her own biological children. She they had decided to adopt more than just one child, correct? Yeah. So I have a sister as well. Yeah, and she's how many years apart are you? I'm four and a half years older. Okay. So with an adoptive sibling, did you think that that helped through the process of being adopted at all? Or do you think it was something that you guys had just had such a different experience from each other that it didn't really affect you guys? Well, I mean, my parents were open with me about being adopted from when I was a little, I I mean, before I can remember. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, it was just normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, There wasn't anything weird about being adopted. And you know, because I was uh, five by the time we got her, it was just kind of normal, you mm-hmm. know. You know, at that point in life, you don't know where babies come from, really. And, no. <laughs> you know, an- another one just, you know, you drive an hour and a half away to a church and they hand you a baby. That just mm-hmm. se- seemed like a, a perfectly normal thing for normal me. Normal situation, yeah. Um, and I had also been voicing my opinion to my parents that I wanted a sister, a baby sister. So I already wanted a sister. It had already been like a year of me saying I wanted a sister. So, Mm -hmm. um, but then growing up, um, you know, once you got older and the, the gravity of being adopted, like Mm -hmm. kind of dawns on you. Um, I think, I think just with my parents being so open about it Mm -hmm. and my sister being adopted and, you know, they didn't have any biological children. So Mm -hmm. we were just our own family. It was nothing was weird about it to me, for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that you mentioned that your parents told you, your adopted parents told you early on that you were adopted. Mm -hmm. So do you have any times that you celebrate the day that you were adopted every year we we call that my anniversary okay um which is february 5th so every february 5th we treated it growing up like almost like a second birthday party say like a birthday yeah um i mean it wasn't like we didn't have a party with outside friends it was just the, the four of us um celebrating uh but it was you know a day that made you feel special and celebrated mm. um the fact that we were a family mm-hmm so you knew when your actual birthday was too, right? Yeah. Which is- and and we celebrated that in a bigger sense. So yeah. you know that was my birthday, and we did the normal birthday things like presents and all that right stuff. presents yeah. and and friends and friend parties and mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff. And then f- for the anniversary, which was in February, um, you know I might get a present or two. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't as big as a birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was just a sit-down meal with my immediate family. Mm-hmm. Now, we celebrated birthdays in our family. The The birthday person got to pick the meal, oh, okay. and my mom would make a whatever-they-wanted oh, fancy meal, um, and we ate at home. Mm-hmm. Um, we never went out for birthdays until probably I was in college. That being said, I, um, my parents were a very focused, uh, family-focused mm-hmm. uh, couple. They always celebrated family as often as possible. Okay. So. Uh, we were kind of, I, I don't know if they went over the top because we were adopted or if that's just how they are. This is, um, <laughs> you wouldn't know. You never know. Right. <laughs> um, but family was always a really big deal. So, you know, having an adopted sister, 
I don't know if it would have changed anything. I mean, if I had a biological sister, that would have changed things for sure. Yeah. That would have been a much more difficult situation. Situation, I if, think. If I, she I was, think. If she was a biological of your parent, your dad's right. parents. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, if if she was their biological child. And then adopted, had adopted you before or after, it mm-hmm. would affect probably how you felt, felt during right. your life growing up. Yeah, for sure. Brings up a lot of questions in your life. Right. Questions about legitimacy and all that. Yeah. So we were talking about family and how it's you have such a family focus aspect in your life. So for you that extended family and things like that, how did they do they do you feel like they treated you any differently because you're adopted children? No, it was all I mean, I wouldn't have known the difference, I don't think. Hmm. I mean I don't look like any of them because they're all oh. Irish Catholic and, <laughs> yeah. you know, redheads and oh, okay. fair-skinned and freckled. <laughs> and I'm dark-skinned and dark-haired. and mm. uh, So, I mean, I obviously physically didn't fit in, but it wasn't that But it wasn't that It bad. wasn't that bad. No. So do you know what your culture – so since you said you're not – you don't look like them, do you know what your background is? Um, I was given, you know, the typical – your mom says she's this and this and this and oh, okay. you know that's kind of a guess anyways i think as, especially back then you know so uh, according to that um i'm part native american apparently her mother was 100% or something like that okay and her grandmother was obviously 100% oh yeah so okay. or her grandparents were both 100% something like that okay um which would have to be if she's 100%. Yeah. Um, so I was part Native American, part German, Welsh, Swiss. Okay. So I think that came from her father's side. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, the reason I ask is a lot of times when I talk to people about their adoption, they are really big on their cultural background because it would be different. Most right. of the time it's different from your adoptive family. So I was curious if there's any time you were able to kind of get that cultural background in your life or if that really didn't matter to you? Well, um, there's an element of it that's, that matters, but, but it's, I think it, it more, it feels more like a, um, a curiosity than it's not like a strong drive. It's like, Oh, I wonder. Um, it's funny. I, the adoption papers are surprisingly close to what 23 and me the genetic testing place says about my really heritage. It's very close. That's freaky. Um, the only <laughs> thing that wasn't there was the Native American, but there's almost no Native American DNA in the 23andMe database. Interesting. Um, so it usually doesn't show up, uh, especially because some of that can be traced back to other European countries. That mm-hmm. and it just makes it confusing to try to figure or out. Asian. Yeah, it's it, it's a hard one to nail down. Yeah. Um, but my parents always uh, encouraged me to explore that. You know, they said, mm-hmm. hey, you know, when, when Heritage Day or whatever came about in fourth grade or whatever it was, yeah. they encouraged me to, you know, they gave me the option, do you want to do your biological heritage or, you know, your adopted family heritage? Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose my adopted heritage, mm-hmm. or my, I'm sorry, my uh, biological heritage. Mm-hmm. And they helped me explore all that and were very... Mm-hmm open about it and everything. And yeah. um, so I kind of explored both, but our family very much has its own culture. 
Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> With yeah. A, yeah, the big mix. Yeah, it's kind of a mix of everything. But for some reason, neither of my parents, like my dad's from an Irish Catholic family, mm-hmm. and that family has a culture. Okay. That didn't carry to my family. And my mom's oh. family has a culture that didn't carry. They have elements okay. of both, but it's funny. Both sides of the family are, are very much have their own strong cultures that mm-hmm. don't really exist in my nuclear family. Interesting. So I don't know if that's because we're adopted and they just created their own thing. To be supportive. Or if my parents are just, you know, naturally outliers or, or what. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's really neat. <laughs> well, it's neat that they they were willing to dive into that with you and and have supported you in that because that doesn't happen often. Right. And in situations like that, you, you think it helped you out a lot to feel more connected to your even even your adopted parents because of their willingness to be supportive of that. I don't know if it was as much connected to them because it was always very much a mystery and like a thing that I could never grasp. Mm-hmm. But it made it okay for me to be curious. Mm-hmm. It it um it kind of. Uh, you know, made me feel comfortable with who I was at, yeah. at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's it's it sort of destigmatized it, and there's often a, yeah. a stigma around adoption that my mm-hmm. parents refuse to allow in their home. So mm-hmm. I think that very much uh, uh, shaped my childhood. Yeah, you you mentioned before too in our in our pre conversation to this podcast that you were your parents actually were working with others that wanted to adopt children Mm -hmm. and they seemed like they were really big on trying to diminish the the stigma behind adoption. So they actually had you talk to where they, I believe they were people that wanted to become adopted parents. Yeah. There were some people who were looking to be to, to adopt and curious about the process and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's natural to, to, be curious about the welfare of the children involved because mm-hmm. you hear so many horror stories about adoptions <laughs> gone wrong. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, my parents were there to, uh, to meet with people about the process, about, you know, the, the psychology of it. And, um, and then when I was older, they included me in that too, and mm-hmm. they'd say, "Hey, are you willing to come talk to these people about being adopted and what your situation was and what your experience mm-hmm. has been and yeah. that kind of thing?" So when you were doing things like that, did they did they want to be adopted parents? Did they ask you questions during that, or was it just like a conversation that you had about your life with them? Um, I think a little bit of both. They had, okay. you know. I guess it'd be like trying to talk to any kid. You you sort of <laughs> you're not terribly direct with that kind of question. You kind of cover it in conversation. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of conversation, some pointed questions, but nothing crazy. Yeah. I, I think a lot of these people felt a little nervous about. It's almost like talking yeah. <laughs> to a mental patient. You're like, what could I say wrong that could trigger you? Trigger or you whatever or the case whatever. is. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Do you do you think that? Sometimes it wasn't like that. Well, that's nice. <laughs> I think people get nervous when asking questions from somebody in a perspective that they don't under- fully understand yet. Yeah, especially when it is, you know, 
known to be, uh, you know, like we were saying, it's, it's stigmatized in culture mm. often. And I don't think that has anything to do with, <laughs> you know, them as a person as much as you know, whatever situation, their situation, yeah. their personal situation. A lot of people think, oh, it's because they're adopted, but it's normally because of what happened to them beforehand or just their personality, their characteristics. And in addition to being adopted, could have changed things right. for them. Right, yeah. I'm first and foremost a human being with the same faults as everyone else. So mm -hmm. that's probably what you should look at first. Yeah. You know, what's going on in my personal life? Yeah. One of those things could be adoption trauma mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, and I think the, the, um, the chances of that being an issue increase as you get older. You know? yeah. So if you're adopted as you're at, at like 12, mm -hmm. um, that can be far more traumatic. Well, there's a lot more that you remember if you're 12 years old versus when you were you were four months old when I was you were adopted. Four months old, yeah. So you'll remember as much when you're a baby versus well, being. Plus, adult. your your brain is still forming when you're that young, yeah. and there is no real normal yet. So there's mm. plenty of opportunity to kind of right any wrongs when you're that young. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're older, you're. The older you get, the more stuck you get in your ways and who you are. <laughs> so, you know, if you are someone in, you know, if I was living in Kansas and I was this person and then I was moved to Connecticut and I'm now in a family that's nothing like anyone I knew, that's going to be far more traumatic than that's moving true. from a crib in one house to a crib in another house. True. Very true. With that idea of us just being human and, and having our own thoughts and characteristics growing up in an adoptive home. Uh, do you think that there's anything in particular that affected you and your thoughts growing up? If that makes sense. Um, I mean, there's always the, you know, always felt a little excluded when you would ever get into genetic projects or heritage product projects in mm. elementary or high school. And, you know, talking about genetically inherited traits and I, literally knew zero people blood related to me. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, there's inherited things like smiles and, you know, how you walk, but mm -hmm. a lot of it is, you know, uh, a genetic pool that I would never experience. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there was, uh, there was that, um, I don't know. My parents were always so inclusive and so relentlessly. So, and I mean, throughout all of, school and growing up they fought for me mm -hmm. uh in ways that most parents don't yeah. and they treated me so much like their own that you couldn't help but to believe it <laughs> um so i i never remember like th there were moments like when i would read that letter that I mentioned from my birth mother, mm -hmm. if I was like 12 and I read that, like yeah. that's going to cause a, an emotional reaction. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would have a, you know, a, a tough time one night or whatever. But um, other than that, I don't remember ever having a negative thought about my adoption status. I was always proud yeah. of it. And, um, you know, and, and even looking at everything my parents have done for me and, um, provided for me and every way they've been there for me mm -hmm. it's i mean you couldn't have asked for you know a better situation so yeah. if anything i felt more grateful than than anything mm -hmm. you know and and that turns into something else once you get older 
um, yeah. we were talking about before how, you know, for me that turned into, um, a need to, uh, earn everything that they gave me. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the, the knowledge sets in like, yes, I was adopted. Yes. Mm -hmm. They took me on and you almost get this, the feeling like you owe them. Something. Uh, I'm in debt to them. Yeah. Um, what, whereas if you talk to them, they would say that's not true, but it, <laughs> it, you know, subconsciously creeps in and, yeah. you know, so I spent a number of years trying to, you know, uh, either impress them or earn what they gave me or mm -hmm. somehow repay them in, you Some know, either way. my success or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and some of that still haunts me today that it, it comes comes in occasionally yeah you just don't want to disappoint them kind right. of yeah which is natural you don't want to disappoint your parents but that definitely could stem from it feeling like you need to earn it right yeah so w with that you said that there isn't many negatives with your adoption which is great to hear because it doesn't that's not always everybody's situation from that what's been the best experiences from being adopted for you then? Well, I mean, my, I, I was uh, adopted from a family that didn't have a lot of resources into a family that has done okay. well for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so I was endlessly blessed by that in mm -hmm. ways that I never deserved and um, never would have had if it wasn't for adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always incredibly in awe of <laughs> what I've been given in mm -hmm. life. You know, it's, it's almost like a baby born to a 15 year old whose birth father denies being the father and, mm -hmm. you know, going home to live with a 15 year old mother and her mother, like that's, that's the definition of the worst case scenario for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, that could turn out terribly, mm. you know, uh, especially because it was, you know, they lived in a not the greatest area, yeah, depressed economy type of thing. So mm. it wouldn't have been great. And, and they realized that or she realized that mm -hmm. and decided to give me to oh, who I don't know if she had a choice and who I went to, mm -hmm. but I I pretty much won the lottery with the family yeah. I got. I mean, yeah. I've, yeah. I've never uh, needed anything that, you know, I never had a need that went unmet. Mm -hmm. um, and I still, you know, there's almost a guilt that comes along with that in, yeah. in some way. But, you know, other than that guilt that you have, the guilt that you have to kind of, Keep at bay. Yeah. There hasn't been a negative experience, but yeah. a number of positive outcomes. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the negative experiences seem to be more subconscious than anything else. Yeah, you, you have almost, it's almost the same thing as like uh, uh, an imposter syndrome in, in a job <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. As you were adopted, you were adopted as a, as a baby. Mm -hmm. You also recently had a son. Yes. How does that experience been for you since you don't really know much about your biological family? Well, other than a biological father that I had a few direct messages with because we were <laughs> uh, paired on 23andMe, mm -hmm. 
um, which is a whole other thing. But other than a couple of conversations, I don't have any, I've never had a single interaction with anyone blood related to me. So Mm -hmm. all those things like I was talking about earlier, like the genetic stuff and heritage, like Mm -hmm. I get to experience all of that now, almost in reverse from the opposite side. But seeing him grow up, and I mean, he's only uh one and a half or no he's one he's 13 (laughs) he's 13 and a half months okay yeah so um other than seeing him grow up i've never firsthand experienced any of that so Mm -hmm. it's really cool seeing those traits come through and Mm. you know knowing that uh you know he's a blood relative i've never had that yeah which hasn't happened for a lot that it's the same for a lot of people. So I'm sure this is a experience that will build upon itself for many years and will continue to be a blessing to you overall. For sure. And you also get to have a an experience with your parents to be able to have that experience with right. him, which right. is really neat too. And which is a funny thing because growing up, family was always far away. Mm-hmm. We lived in Connecticut and... Half of my family, my mom's side, lived in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad's side lived in uh, right outside of Philadelphia. Okay. So my closest family was three hours away. Yeah. And now by some weird circumstances, my parents, my wife and I, and her parents, who previously lived in upstate California for 15 years. Yeah. All live within a 20-minute radius in Pennsylvania. That's crazy. Which is somewhere that none of us have ever lived together. Oh, oh okay. So, <laughs> my parents cool. are both from around here. Yeah. Uh, which is why they're here. But I've never lived in Pennsylvania, although I was born here. Yeah. Uh, and my in-laws are West Coast people. Okay. So. So pretty. So, cool. and it's funny. They moved here because we were having a, grand, uh, a son. So mm, they went into being near their grandson. Yep. So he kind of brought everything together. Well, there you go. (laughs) This is a question that I always ask whenever anyone comes on. What does the word adoption itself mean to you when you hear it? I mean, I just think of my family. uh, Yeah. Because that's just always been a a word that was, it was a good word in my house. Mm -hmm. Um, And it brought my family a lot of, very positive experiences and my family has in turn been able to influence other parents and adopted children in very positive ways. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and my family is uh, a Christian background and they always say like, look, we're, we're all adopted anyways. Mm -hmm. We're all adopted into the family of Christ. And, um, this is just kind of an extension of that. Mm-hmm. My assumption is that your parents, when you inter- they introduced you to people, did they ever they didn't introduce you as their adoptive son? Though they no. introduced you as your their son, correct. And so people found out later, based on did they ask questions or did your parents just? I think most of the time it's when someone found out they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea you were adopted. <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. never crossed a lot of people's minds because yeah. nobody ever acted like i was mm-hmm. you know and and until you know college or whatever um, yeah. i 
could largely pass for a biological member of my family. Okay, but, yeah, because uh, you get older and you change the way. Yeah, then you start changing a lot, and I ended up putting on weight, and now I'm six inches taller than my dad. So okay, you know, and ten or nine inches taller than my mom. So it's kind of obvious at so this you're, point. You're not. <laughs> yeah. That's but true. they still introduce me as their son because so you are their son. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's never been a question in anyone's mind. No. This is our son, not our adopted son. Yeah. Which is a great, which is the way that, at least in my mind, that you should always introduce your children as their sure. child. And that's that. For sure. Um, when they did find out, we talked about stigma before. Have you ever gotten, you haven't really ever gotten negative comments from people, right? I mean, some people thought it was weird. Uh, I had a a girlfriend that was insistent on diagnosing me with all sorts of oh. relational problems that stemmed from my adoption, you know, okay. attachment issues and this and that, mm -hmm. and all this is your adoption. It's like, okay. Yeah, I guess. That didn't maybe. last very long. Oh, I was going to say. That was a couple months maybe. <laughs> uh, so that, did that ever, I didn't even think about adoption being an effect in, like affecting relationships with people. It does, even with friends right now um, in my 30s. Hmm. Um, I've had people look at um, what I've been given in life and my situation and then see that I'm adopted and mm -hmm. almost a jealousy can come in or, or a, a spite of like, mm -hmm. you know, I've worked so hard for all this stuff and mm -hmm. you had stuff given to you. And mm -hmm. it's a definitely a, an unpopular place to be in. Interesting. I've never, I've never thought about that. That makes a lot of sense, though, that there could be issues, not issues, but is it, it affects relationships that you have with people. Well, and I think especially in the past, uh, you know, six to ten years, I mean, um, inequalities have been focused on more and more and more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm the poster boy for the, you know, entitled crowd. Yeah. Not that I, I try never to act that way, but no. I, I'm sure I'm certainly been given a lot in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, I never, I never thought that when I met you. <laughs> well, I struggle with that a lot. Yeah. Uh, throughout high school and early college and then early career, I, you know, I had grown up in my bubble and everybody knew mm -hmm. me. And then when you get out there, I had a lot of people and bosses comment on me, like, you got to tone it down. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Apparently, I used to be that entitled Oh jerk but i've worked very hard at <laughs> getting rid of that well you've done a good job I, when i first met you which wasn't that honestly wasn't that long ago a couple months probably a year it was year probably during the covid lockdown when right we were yeah shooting the services and i never knew what to say to you so that's fine <laughs> <laughs> like maybe he doesn't like me um no i never saw that or or felt it uh actually ben my husband was the one that said he's like yeah no he's pretty his, his family's pretty well off and, and things like that. i was like oh i would have never guessed you do a really good job of of presenting yourself in a way that doesn't make it seem that you didn't have to work for anything and you do you did have to work for what you've created for yourself and who you've become well for sure and and even um I, I try to give everything I have to every project I work on. Absolutely. And, um, I have a very strong worth work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, but 
but I've also been put in a very different position. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have a different relationship with work than a lot of people do, but mm-hmm. I still uh, gain a lot of purpose from my work, and okay. um, I try to do it to the most excellent yeah, level can I can. I like you would you say you're a perfectionist then? Oh, for sure, <laughs> to a fault. Yeah. So. A lot of people with their identity have a hard time determining their identity because they're adopted. But for you, it seems like that's not the case. Or if I'm – correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know what you would identify yourself as. That that question has changed so much over the years. (laughs) I used to be, you know, an absolute workaholic. Um, Okay. And my career was, you know – for all intents and purposes, a spouse to me. I mean, it mm-hmm. was my identity. Okay. Um, and I gave everything to that to further that identity. Hmm. Um, and then I chased it as far as getting to L.A. And I was my career was going pretty well. And all of a sudden I realized a friend of mine, I think inadvertently, helped me realize. I still don't think I ever told him. That I hated what I did. Hmm. Uh, Not because of the subject matter, you know, because I'm a sound engineer and I've worked in many different ways as a sound engineer. Yeah. And I love sound. Mm -hmm. But just the career and the path I was going down, the people I was associating with, they're fine people. Mm -hmm. But I looked at their lives and I'm like, I never want to be like that. Mm -hmm. And if you look at enough of these people, there's, you know, kind of a... You know, the, this career and the level of the career that I wanted to be on and mm-hmm. I was approaching yeah, uh, essentially meant that family wasn't at least not a good option. Hmm. I have more friends, I think, that are in this industry at the level I want to wanted to be at that mm-hmm. are divorced or otherwise estranged or just don't have a family yeah. uh, than I do friends in this industry that are happily married hmm. and i have a few a few that balance it really well yeah um but the ability to do that is rare mm-hmm. uh and i tended to uh gravitate towards the material world and yeah. la california is a terrible place if that's an issue for you but i wanted a family yeah um and i Wanted a life mm-hmm. with my not only nuclear family but my extended family. Yeah. I have a fantastic relationship with my parents. Mm-hmm. We have pretty good relationships with each of their families. Mm. Um, my wife and I decided that LA wasn't working. I probably would have stayed there if I was single, but uh, my wife and I met before I moved to LA. She begrudgingly went there with me. Uh, <laughs> then we got engaged there. We got married, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then she's like, this isn't working. And mm-hmm. I was pretty much – she didn't say as much, but I could see it coming that it was a choice between my dream career or my wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And neither one of us could fathom raising a kid in that city. I know some people oh, can, no. yeah. but it wasn't for us. We couldn't mm-hmm. stomach that city. Yeah. So we started looking and looking and looking. We're like, we like California. I like this industry. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, let me look bring, around. <laughs> let me look around. Let me look up in Santa Barbara. Let me look out here. Everything is so expensive. Yeah. So expensive. And we wanted 
we wanted land, we wanted mountains, we wanted absolutely um, that kind of stuff. And my gosh, that California in general is just <laughs> stupid expensive. Unless yeah. you're three hours from anything that you would ever want to be near. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so well, this opportunity came up here mm-hmm. where uh, my parents were buying this property and weren't going to live on it. Hmm. It was like a family property. Okay. Um, that was for them, my sister's family, and my family. Wow. Um, and they were looking for someone to take care of the property. And they were looking at hiring someone or going to family. They talked to other family members uh, who declined. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mac and I were coming out for Christmas here one year. Okay. And we decided between ourselves – why don't we go for like two and a half weeks, mm-hmm. rent a car, and just explore everything yeah. and see what it would be like to live here. Mm. So we thought two and a half weeks is a long enough time to see get over the kind of honeymoon stage of, of the area, kind of see it for what it is, Yeah, actually go grocery shopping and cooking and <laughs> all that kind of stuff, Yeah, you know, to see what it would be like to sort of live here. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and like halfway through that, we told my parents uh, the idea, and they loved it. Mm. Um, so we became the property caretakers. So we, we're there, mm. uh, year round and, and they visit, um, probably four, uh, probably four. It depends on the year. Yeah. Last year it was six months because of COVID. Because well, of COVID. Yeah. Um, this year it's a little, still a little longer than usual because of COVID. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> usually it's three to four months a year. Okay. Or, you know. Yeah. Uh, mostly in the summer, spring and summer. Mm. Um, so we get to see them a lot. Yeah. Um, my sister's four hours away, so they come up a lot. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then, so my sis, my, my wife and I run the property, um, everything from working on gardens and lawn care to mm. um, to outreach. We, we mm. try to um, use the property that we have to help other people unplug. So... Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a number of different people come out from, you know, New York City or elsewhere yeah. that need to just unplug for the weekend or for a week and yeah. get some relaxation, restoration. Mm. Like, like we try to be a bit of like a, a spiritual refuge type of thing. Oh, and yeah. we can do everything from hanging out with them while they're there to completely leaving them alone. <laughs> um, but it's it's been a cool process. Mm. Um, so... All of that to say my identity <laughs> yeah. has now become more of a, I'm this anomaly. I don't know. I don't have very many people I can relate to yeah. that were given the gifts that I was given. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've become determined to use those gifts to help others, to minister to others, mm-hmm. to help people in need. Yeah. Um, and kind of build a life around what works for my family and what gives back to to people. And mm-hmm. sound will always be a part of my life. I mm-hmm. built myself the bottom uh, level of our house is my studio workspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've mixed a couple feature films out of there. I'm doing another one later this year. Oh, nice. um, short films, TV ads, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're recording an audio book there. In September, cool. and um, you know all that kind of stuff. I've worked on student films, mm-hmm. um, and I do a lot of work with uh, our church. Yes, um, 
everything from, you know, audio for bumper videos to VOs to, you know, mm -hmm. when we did COVID, we had to do all the live streaming, live streaming and everything. So yeah. I helped with all that. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I, I guess that's a very long answer to who <laughs> I am, but it's yeah. always changing and, and I'm, you know, trying to use what I have to give to others as much as I can. Mm. Well, I mean, that's a really good way of, of doing that because you have those resources and your willingness to share it with others is evident through that. So that's a great way in which you can give back to your community. What's the biggest thing you've learned from being adopted up until the point of your life where it is now? Just understanding how people are all um, a product of their circumstance mm -hmm. and you know I, I know there's some genetic dispositions and in, in, uh how you deal with things and uh but so much of who you are comes from who you surround yourself with mm -hmm. uh and my my parents have done an excellent job and um just understanding where where I probably would have been if it weren't for them. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I try to translate that into understanding. You know, we all have that person that you see them go off and you're like, that's completely irrational. And just trying to mm -hmm. understand, like, obviously something's happening, happening with yeah. that person. <laughs> Whether it's an easy, like, they had a bad day or, or a more difficult, like, their whole life's been a train wreck and they're just trying yeah. to survive. Yeah. Just being able to empathize with people where they are and just kind of turning off that, mm. you know, trying to turn off that judgment mm -hmm. that the, um, we all tend to do when we first see a person or meet a person, mm -hmm. or, especially if it's a jarring circumstance mm. and just yeah. trying to see the person behind the pain. Yeah. Cause everybody has their pain. It's just stems from something different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, a lot of times you can extend, a helping hand to a person like that and completely change their life. Yeah. Which is what you look to do. I try. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I might not aim so high cause that's a little <laughs> that's bit very of specific. A, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you but know, if I can help someone. <laughs> yeah. Be helpful to people. Yeah. There's one question I like to ask at the end, which is what would be your biggest piece of advice to someone looking to adopt? Um, probably just work on, being open-minded and understanding that this is going to be um, an interesting and rough journey for that child and being able to help them find who they really are outside of the constraints of who you expect them to be yeah, um, is, is going to be your biggest asset. Um, mm. You know, and I, I think that that's true with any child. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for some reason, when it's, when kids are adopted, so many people think that there's going to, it's going to be harder to force that, you know, or harder to get that person to acclimate or whatever, or bond, uh, or, or, bond or something. The, yeah. the worries about being able to bond with your child are going to transfer to that child. Yeah. Just, you know. Because they'll, they'll feel that. Right. Do the you, tension. Do your best and treat the child like 
they were your biological child and to begin with yeah i think being open with them and everyone about the situation mm-hmm. i think there's way too much shame surrounding adoption and that yeah. needs to be thrown out and and agreed and <laughs> kind of celebrated almost yeah. this person's you know been brought out of a arguably very difficult situation into a hopefully a much better one yeah it's almost yeah. like a second lease on life yeah. And that should be celebrated, not diminished. Not diminished. Yeah. Well, thank you, Colin, for coming on. I appreciate it. Sure. I enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again in two weeks with another story to share.